of the Para Dumat Moshe Rabbeinu did were kept on the side. And every time there was another Para Aduma, they would take some of those ashes from the Para Aduma of Moshe Rabbeinu and mix them with the new Para Aduma. This is why, perhaps that's one answer, why it says, will always be somehow any paraduma in the future somehow will have a piece of the paraduma of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore, that's why he said, always be somehow attributed to you. Another svara uh, is, another opinion says, to you, Moshe Rabbeinu, I reveal the reason of the paraduma, and nobody else. That's why it says, to you, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem is telling him, I'm going to reveal the reason behind the paraduma. Nobody else. Actually, even Shlomo HaMelech, Shlomo HaMelech was wiser than anyone and yes, said, he, he could not understand the logic behind the paraduma. Well, it, it's because somehow the paraduma does things that are contradictory. The person that's tameh and he comes, he gets sprinkled with this ashes, the paraduma, he becomes tahor. Yet the person who sprinkles him, he was tahor, he becomes tameh. So there is here some kind of a uh, of a contradiction, and one was tameh becomes tahor, the other tahor becomes tameh. It's very difficult to understand, uh, except that Rashi Alav Shalom he brings a midrash that says the following. He gives he gives something that has some kind of a reason behind the paraduma. And he says, Mashal leben shifha shitinef paltin shel melech. He gives an example, let's say the a son, a child of a maid that uh, works, let's say, in a palace. And he makes a mess. So, tavu imo The mother is going to come there and she'll clean up the mess. So therefore he says, same thing here. The Bnei Israel made a big mess by bowing down to the golden calf, the Egel Azar. So let, let, let the mother come and clean up the mess. Para, the red cap, para is the mother of the calf, the Egel. So let the mother come and clean up the mess. Well, how do we understand that? That the mother, how is the mother cleaning up the mess over here? The Bnei Israel made a big, big problem, made a big sin over there by creating a golden calf. Fine. Now we have a red cow, which is supposed to be metahed to purify a person who is defiled. How does that clean up the mess of the Egel? I'm going to give you two, two reasons here. 
first, let's look at the, a little story that's about the Dama uh, Benetina. Dama Benetina was a non-Jew, but he was a man that had tremendous kavod, respect for his father. So one time, the uh, Hakamim, they needed a precious, a precious stone that goes into the Hoshen, the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. Now, let me tell you that these kind of precious stones were extremely valuable. Uh, they were rare, and the, the price on them is, is uh, quite high. So they wanted this man, Dama Benetina, who dealt with precious stones, and they came over there to buy it. But then what happened was the key to the safe where these diamonds were held was under the pillow of his father. So he didn't want to wake up his father. His father was sleeping at the time. He went over to the Hakamim. He said, I'm sorry. I cannot wake up my father. The deal is off. Now, he could have made a lot of money on that deal. He canceled the deal because of respect for his father. The next year, from his uh, farm that he had, uh, he had a, a Kadosh Baruch who gave him a para aduma, a red cow. Now, red cow, para aduma is even rarer. Where do you find a para aduma? It was something that is very, very, very hard to find. So its value is even much bigger than the precious stone. So the hachamim came to him. And they wanted to buy it. So he told him the following. I can ask you for all the money in the world. And you'll give it to me because you need this very badly. However, what I'm going to ask you is whatever I lost by not being able to sell that, uh, that precious stony last year, you give it to me now. Now let's what what so what this is the story. So what's happening here is look at what this gentile man is saying to the Hakamim. He says, I know you'll be able to give me all the money in the world for the red cow. The this is what we mean by the mother is cleaning up the mess of the Egel, which is the son. What happened with the Egel? They somehow, they faulted against the Kadosh Baruch Hu. They faulted against Hashem. They were supposed, you know, how could they, you know, just a few months after they have seen all the miracles in Itziat Mitzrayim, and now they go down they go and, and, and bow down to, uh, to a golden calf. So they faulted Hashem. So here they're correcting it by spending a huge amount of money for something that has no reason whatsoever. The paraduma has no logic to it. So this is how they are. They, they, this paraduma now is... Uh, cleaning up the mess of the egg. In the Egel, they faulted Hashem. Here, they're giving a tremendous cover to Hashem by being able to spend as much money 
as, as it cost, even, even though it is a mitzvah that doesn't have any logic to it. There's another opinion, and this one is quite interesting. Listen carefully. When Hashem created Adam Arishon, at that time, there was no mita, death, the way we recognize it today. There was death, but not death with malachamavit. It was mitat neshika, as they call it. Meaning that Akadosh Baruch himself would, would, would uh, cause the death of the person. What's the difference? The difference is mita with malachamavet causes tum'ah. Mita with neshika, there is no tum'ah. But then what happened is after Adam Arishon sinned, then Mita with Malachamavit was created then. Meaning Mita with Tuma. Then when they but the when the Bnei Israel stood in Mount Sinai, then Akadushwarhu again removed that Mita of Malachamavit, which means there is no, no Tum'ah anymore. Mita had no Tum'ah. But when they sinned with the Egel, then it came back again, Mita with Malachamavet, which means Mita with the Tum'ah. So, the calf, which is the son of the cow, has caused the Tum'ah of the Met, let the para, the mother, come and remove the Tum'ah. Very interesting, very interesting shot. The, the Egel caused the Tumah to come. Let the para come with the ashes and remove the Tumah that's caused by touching a corpse or being in an in a ohel, in, in a room where the corpse is. Like, quite interesting. Now, the, when was the para Tumah given first, or at least talked about to the Bnei Israel. It was at Mara. What happened at Mara? When the Bnei Israel left and they crossed the, uh, the Red Sea and so on, and as we see in the parasha, the, the Bnei Israel, there's no water here. We're going to drink. And there was water, but the water was bitter. They could not drink that water. So HaKadosh Baruch told Moshe Rabbeinu, you know what, take this, this, this particular branch here, which was a bitter branch, and throw this branch into the bitter waters, and the water will become sweet. Now, this is really a miracle within a miracle. I mean, normally, something is bitter, what do you do? If your coffee is bitter, you put sugar into it, or Splenda, or whatever, in order to make it sweet. But here... He took something bitter, mixed it with something that's also bitter, and come out something sweet. What's the significance of that? Now, let me tell you why Hashem did this. It says, Sham sam lo hok v'sham nisahu. At that time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe Rabbeinu gave to the Bnei Israel certain halachot. He told them certain halachot. And according to Hazal, the halakhot that he taught was 
כיבוד אבהם, honoring father and mother, שבת, to be able to keep the Sabbath properly, and דינים, meaning that uh, you have the proper judges and everything else, and פרה also was given at that time. Even though in Parashat Hukat here, all the details of the Paradoma are being listed, still, it was talked about way before that. Even before Matan Torah. Question is, I can understand Kibbut Avayim. It was applicable right there and then. Everybody had a father and a mother. So there was Kibbut Avayim. Shabbat. Shabbat, Shabbat. It was applicable right there. Dinim uh, also. But Paraduma couldn't possibly be done because there was no Mishkan yet. There was no Mishkan. How could he do this? He had to El Nochah Pene Ohel Moed, but there's no Ohel Moed, there's nothing. What's the idea behind Moshe Rabbeinu telling the Bnei Israel? about the Paraduma even before Matan Torah. And the idea is this. Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Bnei I want to set this record straight over here. You're going to be getting the Torah very soon. And I want you to understand something. You see what HaKadosh Baruch is doing? He's taking a bitter branch, putting it in bitter water, and becomes sweet. Which means... There's something here that's not logical. Well, the paraduma also is a chok. A chok means that there is really no logic to it. Why am I giving you this now? I want you to know, just like the paraduma is something that's not logical, but Hashem is giving it to you. Same thing every single mitzvah that you're going to have. In the Torah, after Matan Torah, you are supposed to fulfill it, accept it, observe it, even without logic. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that you can't possibly go delve into the reasons behind. That's fine. We have the Hinuch there. He has all the, uh, 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 all the reasons behind the Mitzvot. That's not the point. The point is... HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you a set of mitzvot, 613. Don't try to fulfill them because you understand them. No. You're fulfilling them because Hashem gave them to you. Just like the paraduma. And just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do something illogical, take something bitter, put it into something bitter, and yet get something sweet out of it. So don't question what HaKadosh Baruch Hu can do. He'll give you the paraduma. That's what it does. That's what it is. Now, there's another thing that I would like to uh, talk about, and this one is at the end of the parasha. And this has to do with the war between the Bnei Israel and Sihon and Og. Sihon Melech HaEmori, Og Melech HaBashan. Now, every Shabbat, we recite what we call the Halel HaGadol. Hudu, Ladunai, Kitov, Kilam, Hasdo, and so on. In this 
we praise Hashem for many, many things. We praise that He smote the Bechorim, the firstborn of the Egyptians, and split the sea in 12 different parts, and each, each Shevet, each tribe went into a part, and so on and so forth. But then at the end, towards the end, it says, who smote big kings. Big kings. What is big kings we're talking about? We're talking about the 31 kings that were in Eres Kenan. Uh, that really has to do with Paro. And then it says, Lesihon Melecha Emori. And Og Now, the first kings, they did not mention the names. The second one didn't mention any name, but here they're mentioning Sihon and Og. Why? Why are these taken out of and and uh, and, and mentioning the names specifically? What well, we can understand one thing: Sihon was very, very strong, very powerful king. In fact, uh, she brings. The, the the, uh, the idea that uh, the 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 others the thirty one kings were they were paying Sihon what they call uh, call it protection tax if you want to call it so that Sihon would will be protecting them in case something would happen so it was very powerful so why is Sihon and Og over here mentioned uh, you know specifically let me give two explanations for that. First of all, they were because they were very strong, then Akadushwaruhu wanted to raise the morale of the Bnei Israel. If a king that's so strong, the Bnei Israel can go fight him and win the battle, how much more so it would be easy to go ahead and also fight the 31 kings and win. It gives them more courage. It gives them a stronger morale, and it lifts them up, cheers them up, then it would be very easy. And in fact, it was. When you look into the book of Yeshua, you see how they fought the 31 kings and the was was not a big deal. That's one thing. The second thing, very important, is that with Sihon, we show how Akadosh Baruch Hu orchestrates the whole world in order to realize his plan. Hashem had a plan. Heshbun, and that 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 and the suburbs, the territory there was supposed to be the territory that belongs to Shevet Gan. But before that, before Sihon conquered that territory, it belonged to Moab. It belonged to Moab. Now, the Torah says, Al-Tasar uh, et uh, Moab. We're not, the Bnei said, we're not supposed to go and fight Moab. So how, 
How, how are we going to get this territory to Shevet Gad? So Hashem made it that Sihon first will conquer Moab. So now the territory belongs to whom? To Sihon. And now it's okay. Fighting Sihon is not a problem. Fighting Moab was a problem. But Sihon is not. And they gained the territory that belonged to the Bnei Israel now. This is the idea how HaKadosh Baruch Hu always HaKadosh Baruch Hu is above all beings and all kings. He will shuffle kings, countries in order to bring his plan into a realization. Into, in order to put into effect his design for the world. Nothing, especially major events, go without you know, uh, before Yitziat Mitzrayim, Paro made a decree, made a gezerah, called Haben Hayilod Hayora Tashlechu. His astrologers were telling him, you know what, the Savior of Israel is going to be born. So what did he do? Every child is going to be thrown into the Nile because he didn't know which one it was, right? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling him, not only you are not going to kill the Savior of Israel, but he's going to be raised by you in your own palace. It's the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do whatever is necessary in order to realize his plan, in order to put his plan into effect. It's Ashgahat Hashem. I'm going to tell you something which is a little bit more recent. The Ottoman Empire was in existence for about 400 years, up until World War I. Before World War, World War I, the Ottoman Empire included most of the Middle East, of course Turkey, most of the Middle East, North Africa, and even some parts of Eastern Europe. Huge, huge. What happened in World War I? Well, the Ottoman Empire, the Sultan over there, had absolutely nothing in mind to give a piece of land to the Bnei Israel. But Akadosh Baruch Hu already made a decision. That's it, it's time. The Bnei Israel is going to have to have their own land soon. So what do you do? How do you do that? He made the sultan choose the wrong path. The, the World War I was between the Allies and then and Germany on the other side. The Allies, the, the British, the French, and some, some others, and, and the others were German. Had the sultan of the Ottoman Empire if he had sided with the uh, British and the French, they wouldn't have lost anything. They won the war. Instead, they sided with the Germans. Hashem had something in mind. You side with the Germans, the Germans lose the war. And the Ottoman Empire was pretty much decimated. The entire Middle East was off. That's it. They take it away from him. North Africa and all that. The British 
took that, some of it, the French, some of it. And, of course, the British went into Palestine. And eventually from that came out the uh, United Nations giving peace of the land to the Bnei Israel. So we see how HaKadosh Baruch Hu works his way, how he orchestrates everything. We're talking about big events here, major events that structure the entire world. He just made that one decision for the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire to choose one path instead of the other. That was the beginning. That was the foundation for eventually giving the land to the Bnei Israel. So we hope that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Ashgacha Pratim, Ashgacha in the entire world. And he be always looking for us, looking at supervising the Bnei Israel and trying the best for us until our Mashiach said, Kenu And I want to remind you about this beautiful station, Rapotai, if you can help you should contribute as much as you can. And if you have any simha, why don't you call us at SLC? We have a beautiful, uh, recently renovated hall. I'm sure we can accommodate you. Shavuatov. Have a beautiful summer.